welcome back to our podcast, Deviant Little Darlings. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And if you love hearing stories about all things taboo, scandalous, and out of this world, you are in the right place. It feels so good to hear that. It feels like it's been a while, but we're really only uh, like a, cu- a couple days off schedule, but it feels like it's been a while. Yeah. Well, has, it been, has it been longer than two weeks? No. No, it's two weeks. Like this is I- week two. Yeah. Yeah. Two two weeks and two days about. Yeah, that's no biggie. <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> yes. I do like our new schedule. It works a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It feels it feels good. You know, we just there was too much pressure on us. We uh, were just the fans oh, just demand way too much from us. We can't keep up. We simply can't, but um we're doing it. Here we are. This it does feel good. It yeah. does. It's good yeah. to see you too, your pretty little face. Thanks. I love looking at you. It's my favorite. <laughs> my favorite pastime hobby. Ugh, seriously. <laughs> Sometimes I just look at pictures of Olivia and I say, Aw. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do have something kind of exciting I wanted to talk about on air because it relates to all of us. Um so, so uh Way back in episode 11, episode 11, uh, this is what I don't even know what we're at, like 39, 40. It's been a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I talked about a little art heist at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, that my feels gosh. like a lifetime ago. Um, I checked and we actually posted it back in June of last year, so it's been a long time. Um, but today, I actually went. For the very first time, I saw all the empty frames. I saw all the heisted material. They really don't make a big deal out of it. Like, I feel like if you went and you didn't know, you wouldn't know, you know? Well, I think it's funny that they can still, like, charge people to come see the exhibit when there's just literally no art. Like, I feel like well, anyone can just put up an empty frame and be like, ooh, the heist. Heist. That's true. It's actually, like, it's an interesting place because it's, like, her like she lived there and then so there's all there is a bunch of art that wasn't heisted um which is beautiful and it's like a big it's definitely it's interesting she has a really big like diverse collection of art which is super super cool um but yeah there's two maybe i think i saw three big old empty frames so (laughs) i'll I'll have to show you guys some pictures they're pretty fire i'm in some of them so (laughs) Did you swap the frames for evidence, get some like fingerprints or DNA or anything? I really tried. I got really up close and personal. I was looking for like some canvas remnants or something. (laughs) Nothing. It looks like they got to those bad boys before I did. That was a clean cut right there. (laughs) I know. Gosh darn it. But yeah, I was really excited. It was a really fun day. So I just thought I'd keep you guys updated because I definitely promised to go took me a couple months but I did it (laughs) I really forgot that that was in Boston I don't Mm -hmm. know why I thought walking distance from uh where I what I was doing today so it was awesome it was really fun yeah so if you ever come to visit uh definitely the first stop on our tour it was super cool there's like a beautiful there's like a beautiful garden um that she like cultivated yeah that's the word I meant to use (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah it's really beautiful it's like uh they call it the palace. Um, so I like it's cool. That. It's really cool. Well, we'll have to check it out. Wow. It's like American royalty 
don't get much of that around here literally though she like you can when you're walking through it you just are like yeah like the the luxury the the wealth that the people that must have like any like i just we were like talking about it like imagine being invited to a party here back in the day because she lived like 1800s to early 1900s so like that's like you know some gatsby kind of shit Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, we should do some kind of Gatsby related episode somehow. That would be fun. That would be fun. Oh, I love Gatsby. We'll look into it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, my day has been so um boring compared to yours. I forgot about our time zone because I was when I woke up, first of all, I woke up at like eleven thirty AM here and I was like, fun. Oh, Katie's like probably just getting to brunch and then oh, no. i was like oh I'm no sorry. she's three hours ahead and also way more productive so <laughs> i'm sorry i know um for anyone wondering i we were supposed to film or film record and then i forgot i had a group project that i had to work on and then yesterday we got a little busy so we're doing it today and i olivia is being super kind and super flexible because i was like i have a small window of time but i don't know when it is so <laughs> olivia is being a super well, rock star right now i feel like we've kind of been taking turns this week being like "Ooh, can we do it tomorrow Ooh, can we do it tomorrow <laughs> yeah. so we found a perfect time this and works we're doing great yeah. no issues no yeah. yeah no technical difficulties at all None. this, None this episode is gonna be just katie's voice mine's not recording <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna we should just post it even even if it's Honestly, like that because <laughs> everyone like we have three people that might actually notice <laughs> i know oh they'll be so disappointed that's okay i know but no it's gonna work knock on wood uh, it's gonna be great. I hope that was some good ASMR as well. Mm, yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> Actually, I think our mi- I try so. to do ASMR with our microphones, and they just like don't do it for me. I don't know. I mean, we got the good um, like wine sounds in our episode oh, twenty one. That was actually really good. That was impressive. Yeah, those were you, good. Those were crystal clear. You have a knack for that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, that's that's all my updates for today. And uh, you told me that you were really excited about your story. So now I'm really excited about it. Okay, I am really excited. Uh, and I have you look at the tracker? Like, are you still I on have. that? Okay. Yeah. Because I put it on there because I was like, I think Katie would 1000% do this story. And I had it in my head. I'm like, this is the week we're going to do the same story. So oh my gosh. I hope you're not doing it. But for some reason, no, I looked I at the like- tracker. I consulted it. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, I, th- I mean, I, I'm fairly certain it's not the same. <laughs> I'm not sure how it could be the same, but if it is, that's going to be an issue. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. So, um, as you know, probably Katie knows, I listen to a ton of podcasts like all the time and I listened to this one that was released like kind of a while ago. So I've been listening to these podcasts kind of out of order and I listened to kind of an older one a couple days ago. Actually, it's probably about two weeks now. And it was about this, you know, really kind of crazy story. And then I was like, oh my gosh, how have I literally never heard of this before? That's so crazy. And then the same day I was on, you know, Daily Mail, of course. And I see that they're turning (laughs) the story into a movie this year. And they're like filming it right now. now I totally know. Yeah. So this is the story of House of Gucci. Ooh. And the surprising, uh, scandalous murder that comes with high fashion. Yes, I'm excited to hear all about it. 
I'm going to start with the origins kind of of Gucci because it it kind of all plays a role into understanding really the story and the dynamic of the different quote-unquote characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so let's just go right into it. In 1881, a baby was born in Florence, Italy with the name so iconic they had to use it twice. This man, uh, baby man, uh. was named Guccio Gucci. <laughs> that's that's hot. It's, okay. Can you imagine being named Guccio Gucci today? You'd be, isn't it like it's kind of funny because as a baby, isn't like Gucci Gucci like oh, a thing you say to Gucci, babies? Gucci, Gucci. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's probably they. So like, that's funny. Maybe that was his know. first words. He's like Gucci oh, Gucci, <laughs> and then they just named him that. They were like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So Gucci Gucci's family had been rooted in that part of Italy since the 15th century, um, but Guccio decided that he wanted to make a name for himself in the world, and he went to London in 1897, where he found work as a bellhop in a very fancy hotel. It was at this hotel where Guccio was exposed to very wealthy people. He got to see them wearing the latest fashions, using the best luggage, etc., Um, And he just became, you know, obsessed with this world of high luxury. So Mm -hmm. after a few years there, he then went to work at a luxury railway and um, a luxury railway and a fine luggage maker where he learned even more tricks of the trade. Then in 1920, Gucci Gucci went back to Florence and opened up his very own fine leather luggage shop called Gucci. And Gucci had workshops with Florence's best leather workers, and he made very upscale items specifically for, like, longer-haul travel. So they are like, trunks and suitcases and luggage. Um, mm-hmm. But in 1935, Mussolini, that crazy rascal, uh, led a trade embargo with the League of Nations, and leather was all of a sudden very hard to come by, even in Florence, which was, like, the leather capital. So Guccio had to pivot his plan a little bit. He started to import high-quality fabrics and other materials and sold smaller handbags rather than just the large luggage. So it was at this time that Gucci started to develop many of the trademark designs and styles that we know as Gucci today. Okay, so Gucci was a huge success, blah, 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 lots of stores, lots of money, um, and Guccio and his wife... And three sons, Aldo, Vasco, and Rodolfo, all worked in the Gucci stores. And in 1947, after World War II finally ended, Guccio gave shares of the Gucci company to all three of his sons. Mm. All right. So then in the summer of 69, JK, I don't know what season, but it was 1969, (laughs) um, Aldo's son, Giorgio, started to use, or sorry, started to cause a rift in the Gucci family. And Giorgio decided to use his name to open his own line of boutiques and businesses that essentially had no relation to the overarching Gucci brand. Um, Uh Uh-oh. But since he was a Gucci, he's like, well, it's my name. Like, I can put it wherever I want. Uh, And then another one of Aldo's sons tried to create a spinoff brand in America. And eventually, the company had to just kind of consolidate. And they created a parent company called Guccio Gucci um, that took hold of all the Gucci brands. Okay. So now in 18, sorry, 1983, 
Rodolfo Gucci's son, Maurizio, inherited his majority share of the company when Rodolfo died. And Maurizio got to work legally shutting down all of his relatives' random businesses that started to tarnish the Gucci name. <laughs> so, you know, you have like Gucci Auto Parts, whatever, or like Gucci uh, H&M Gucci collab, like things like that, basically, at the time. And he's like, no, 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 can't have that. Um, you guys are out of the Gucci business. So he was like not the most popular guy at family reunions, I'd have to assume. Yeah, it doesn't no. sound like it. <laughs> um, but who really is Mauricio? So like I said, he was born to Rodolfo Gucci and Sandra Revel in Florence, Italy. Mauricio was known for being a quiet, mild-mannered man, and he fell madly in love with Patrizia Reggiani. Uh, Patrizia was an outspoken firecracker of a woman who often claimed she was the one who to push Mauricio to work. She helped to make all the major business decisions, things like that. So the two married in 1973 and had two daughters. Mauricio would say that Patrizia was so beautiful that she looked like the Italian Elizabeth Taylor. Like when he saw her, Aww. you know in How I Met Your Mother when like Ted sees Robin, he's like, I'm going to marry that girl. Yeah, It was like that kind of moment. They're at a party. He's like, oh my God, she looked like Elizabeth Taylor. I'm going to marry her. Um, super cute. Patricia, yeah, she was super glamorous. She loved being associated with the Gucci name. In fact, I'm sure she even nicknamed herself Lady Gucci. Oh, which is also super perfect because in this movie, Lady Gaga <laughs> plays her. So I love that Lady Gaga is getting into acting. If I'm just going to put that out there, obsessed. I think, I think it's going to be, I really want to see this movie. It's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. So, um, Patrizia took her self-proclaimed title very seriously, and she started to tell people that she is really the CEO of Gucci because her husband is too meek and incapable. Oof. Oh. So, like, she's really cool. She's really, you know, determined, but she's kind of also putting Maurizio down a lot. Yeah. And Doesn't sound very supportive. No, I don't know. It's kind of, oof. So I think Patrizia was more of a socialite at this time. Um, so she would kind of hustle to get connections and go to events and give advice to Mauricio and, and make sure he took certain directions and got in contact with the right people. But she didn't actually work for Gucci. So by 1985, 12 years into their marriage, Mauricio went on a business trip abroad for just a few short days, um, but he didn't come home when he was supposed to. So uh -oh. days went by, then weeks, and Patrizia was just left at home waiting. It wasn't until later when she heard through the grapevine that uh, her new, her, her, she learned through the grapevine that she learned her husband had ran away with a younger woman named Paola Franchi. No. So in a later interview, Patrizia reports Maurizio saying, do you know why our marriage failed? Because you fancied yourself the president and here there is only one president. So like, Oh, it was a power struggle. It was a power struggle. Yeah, he did not like how, you know, she considered herself Lady Gucci when he was the one that was supposed okay. to be in charge. <laughs> so he's like, all right, well, peace. Um, just dipped out. Okay. Yeah. So he got tired of her bossiness and he didn't um, feel 
he didn't like feeling inferior because she was so much of a stronger personality, harder work ethic, things like that. So he went off in it with another woman who, you know, looked up to him and was like, oh, this Gucci guy. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. So Patricia and Mauricio um, then spent years battling a messy divorce in courts. For quite some time, they were just separated and not officially divorced. But in the end, Patricia got a hefty settlement and decided to keep the Gucci name. After all, it had meant everything to her. So Patrivia even, Patricia even said in court, um, you've reached the extreme limit of making yourself despised by your daughters who no longer want to see you to forget the trauma. You are a deformed outgrowth. You are a painful appendix that all of us want to forget. For you, hell is yet to come. So, oh my gosh. She's like not super happy about this whole thing that's very intense that's that's heavy it's like a very poetic threat but imagine that all being said in italian like that sounds kind of beautiful coming out (laughs) that makes it like even better somehow more dramatic um okay so Maurizio's dad had died in the 80s he got the majority of the share of the company in the 1990s and Maurizio officially became the ceo at that time And this all sounds grand and dandy, but in the reality, the Gucci brand and overall company was tanking through over the years that Maurizio was the CEO. So they've kind of um, fallen off the charts in terms of popularity, possibly because Hmm. of the oversaturation of the Gucci name from all the random businesses that popped up. Um, And they just didn't live up to the quality standards that they were originally known for. But regardless, something had to be done, and against Patrizia's wishes, Mauricio sold his majority shares to a fashion investment company, Invest Corp, for $120 million. And this really enraged Patrizia. Like, if you thought she was mad before, she's mad. And even though she wasn't an investor of Gucci, she felt that by selling his family's company, Mauricio was a complete failure. He had lost the Gucci name. You know, basically, he, like, lost the clout of being the Gucci yeah. guy. So... Like he's not worth the Gucci name. No. gucci gucci is weeping. gucci gucci would never. Um, Seriously. So, she was really unhappy with how Maurizio handle, handled the company during its downtime, and she blamed him for Gucci's tarnished reputation. So, okay, at this point, Maurizio's out. He's not with Patrizia anymore. He's not even, you know the sole investor of gucci anymore he's just kind of living his life with his new young girlfriend and millions of dollars yeah he's just there he's just there got out but then on march 27th 1995 the gucci name would be in the headlines yet again Maurizio gucci was walking up the steps to his private office um with his doorman greeting him hello in the morning And the doorman froze when he saw a man holding a gun appear behind Maurizio and shot him three times in the back and once in the head. (gasps) A hitman? Uh, perhaps. Oh. (laughs) So the shooter then realized that the doorman was watching, so he fired two more shots at the doorman's arm and ran away. The injured doorman rushed to Maurizio as he lay in a pool of his own blood, um, and he held his head while waiting for the ambulance. But Maurizio died in his doorman's arms before the ambulance could arrive, and the Gucci family was devastated. Okay, 
Also, though, I like imagine how absolutely horrified that doorman is seeing someone die in his arms. Oh, my God. Yeah. Awful. He's like, good morning, Awful. sir. And then drops dead in your arms. And you're also shot. Like, how terrifying. God. Awful. And okay, he, sorry. Proceed. Oh, no. Well, I was going to say, too, he, he saw the hitman or whoever, this killer, you know, mm-hmm. kind of kill this guy. So he's probably yeah. like, he's going to come back for me. Like, he's going to finish oh, the yeah. job. Like, that's so scary. I, that's my that's my nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So naturally, investigators got right back to work trying to pin down Gucci's killer. And Patrizia was a perfect suspect. Because, you know, <laughs> it was no secret Patrizia hated her late husband. And yeah. he had taken everything from her with his affair. And even more so when he sold the Gucci business. So close family and friends even reported hearing Patricia say she wanted him dead. But at the time, you know, <laughs> like, it's not so crazy to consider, considering, like, the past few years she had, she clearly hates yeah. him. Like, she could be like, oh, like, he's dead to me. She could have just been throwing that around. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, and that's exactly what she says. She chalks it up to a joke or a statement said in, like, a temporary state of rage. But she would never act sure. on it. So investigators continue to comb through evidence and they try to find someone responsible for the killing, but essentially no evidence even arises in the first place and the case goes cold for two years. No evidence. That's sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. So circumstantially, though, Patricia still does not look so good. Um, She even wrote a diary entry on the date of Mauricio's murder that Jess read. Paradiso, which is the Italian word for paradise. Or, oh. or you know, maybe she went to the Gorge Amphitheater in Washington for a three-day rave <sighs> music festival called Paradiso. Oh, yeah. Paradiso. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to know. Of One of the two. Um, yeah, makes sense. But it wasn't a really good look for her, right? You know, the, the day of her that's, yeah, husband's that's, death. That's... Um unfortunate on her part unfortunate timing (laughs) yeah definitely didn't need to write that down could have just like whispered it quietly to yourself (laughs) yeah didn't need to make a note of it didn't need to put slap the date on there either that was just really an extra step bad bad planning (laughs) so the police figured if this really was a hit job it would probably cost you know a large amount of money so they kept a really close tab on Patrizia's finances, waiting for money to be withdrawn or deposited. You know, like they don't really know which side sure. of the transaction she might be on. But either way, this is going to be costly. But the weird yeah. thing was it never was. There was never any transfer of money, which actually hmm. led to a break in the case. So a tip finally oh. came in to the Italian police from a man who claimed to have killed Mauricio Gucci himself. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, Patrizia was desperate to find a man to do her dirty work. And in a recent documentary, she even said herself, I used to go around and ask everyone, even the butcher, to kill him. Is there anyone who has the courage to kill my husband? <laughs> Good. So... <laughs> Not great. Um, eventually, she did find a taker who was willing to do the deed um, if rewarded handsomely. And Patricia, being this luxurious socialite, of course she had the money and promised to pay once the job was done. But just as investigators saw, no such payment ever occurred. 
So now, with really not much else to lose, this killer just went to the police and confessed and brought Patrizia down with him in exchange for some, like, semi-immunity. So the Gucci family and businesses certainly did not like this publicity, especially since they just started to turn their business around. So when that InvestCorp company got a hold of Gucci, they, like, did a full 180 and kind of did the whole Mm -hmm. revival thing. And that's brought it to where it is kind of today i might actually argue that right now it could be like getting to that oversaturated spot like it used mm-hmm. to be because it's just kind of everywhere yeah, it is but but yeah so they were like doing great um but patrizia became the hottest gossip in all of italy and she was deemed the black widow in news outlets uh-huh. so she's like a girl of many nicknames you got lady gucci oh, black yeah. widow but, uh, I mean, she's getting what she wants. She's getting the attention. I see why she thinks that she's the CEO of Gucci. Like, she knows how to get things done. She has connections at the local butcher shop. <laughs> of course, you know. You know, smart moves only on this yeah. woman's part. Hashtag girl boss. Hashtag hustle. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Patricia was arrested on the 31st of January in 1997. And in 1998, she was convicted of arranging the killing of her ex-husband, Maurizio Gucci. She was then sentenced to 29 years in prison, but her daughters actually pled that Patricia's actions were caused by a brain tumor she had removed the years before the murder, which is, you know, she did have a brain tumor. I think that also is what kind of set her over the edge because like right after this whole divorce Uh. thing, she got diagnosed and she, you know, told Maurizio and he like never acknowledged her never sent her any kind of card flower nothing just kind of was like oh brain tumor whatever so that was like not cool for her um but they say they say like oh well it could have also changed her personality because it's in her brain and the courts were kind of like no that's not really you know how this works but (laughs) they did reduce her sentence to 26 years so they took three off then in 2011, Patrizia was offered an opportunity to move to an open prison where inmates were allowed to work while incarcerated, uh, and she refused and said, I've never worked a day in my life, and I'm certainly not going to start now. So, <laughs> oh. All right, lady. Yeah. So she ended up actually being released anyways in October of 2016 for good behavior, and she continues to receive a large amount of money from the Gucci estate, and this actually confused me. Because apparently this is like a court-ordered thing with her sentencing, and she gets almost a, she gets nine hundred thousand euros a year from them. Why? I don't know. And it, they were also saying like it's against the estate's will or like advice. Like they don't want to give it to her, but the courts were like, gotta give it to her. The courts said you have to give this woman who ordered his murder money. Yeah, after they're legally That's divorced. Weird. I don't really, I don't know. But she's still like. Well, I guess, I guess because it, it, if it was part of the divorce, then like, yeah, I guess she that did get, technically wouldn't be affected by whatever happened. She afterwards. did get like a lot of alimony from the divorce. Mm, interesting. Um, but today, so Patrizia is actually ordered to have some type of job as part of her release. Uh, so she works at a high-end costume jewelry company in Milan as a luxury consultant. 
However, the company oh, has okay. noted that Patricia has not actually really been around lately because she can't work due to a bad back. And that oh, is... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, that is the whole story I have on the House of Gucci and the crazy <gasps> murder that occurred with a name that I actually never heard oh, of. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, it's funny you say that because, like, I've seen that they're filming... Mm-hmm. this movie but i didn't know the story either like i for sure didn't um had no idea i've seen the pictures they look fire but wow now i'm yeah. curious to see how the how the movie plays it all out i know i'm excited to see lady gaga as this like luxurious socialite mm-hmm. murderer woman i think that's gonna be so fun i can't wait because i think i mean i might be wrong but her last like big movie was a star is born where she was for sure like I mean, she got a little fancy, but she was for sure the opposite of that for most of the movies. So. Yeah, she also's in one of the seasons of American Horror Story, where she does yes, play I like. I do know that. Um, I don't know. Her character is super like rich or something, but also scary. So. Oh, so this is like in her wheelhouse. Yeah, is I think what she's I'm gonna hearing. do a really good job. I'm excited. Uh, that's like, I mean, fashion scandal. I love it, Olivia. You really brought it today. <laughs> Thank you. I was really excited for that one. Yeah, understand. It's funny because on the tracker, you had just written Gaga, and I was like, what has Lady <laughs> Gaga done? And then you said Daily Mail, and I was like, is this about how someone like um, kidnapped Lady Gaga's dogs? Because oh. that just happened. <laughs> yeah, that, w- that was actually really sad. But no, I'm glad, I'm glad this is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to tell you about this dog kidnapping. <laughs> anyway. No, well, it was intense. I think there with the dog kidnapping oh, there was, someone got shot like it was true. it was intense i didn't really follow that story i mean it's not long enough to talk about but <laughs> anyway anyways what are you doing today okay all right so um my choice of story might come across as a little bit lazy because i feel like most people already know it like the majority of the world everyone maybe not like gen z but like everyone knows it okay now i'm so intrigued Um, because i feel like that's not lazy that's just like giving the people what we already know they they want to hear (laughs) that's true it's just i'll just i feel like i don't know there's also just so much information on well not like a ton but like there's a lot so it feels like i didn't get i don't know we'll see doing something that everyone already knows i feel like there's more room for criticism so Mm, (laughs) let's not nobody Mm. say anything about it except olivia because she might have some good details to add (laughs) um but it's one that i really love and i'm surprised that neither of us have actually like done it or even mentioned it and i don't i don't think we have in any of our episodes um but today i'm going to talk about none other than bonnie and clyde oh my gosh that's not lazy Mm -hmm. i feel like everyone knows their characters but no one knows their story I mean, but, okay, maybe it's just like I'm skewed because of us and we know these kind of things, but like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. Nobody, I, okay, I'm excited about it though because I love their story. I just think it's, I don't know. Like, when you put like romance with the crime, uh, like, so, it just makes it like more fun, right? I know. I was Bonnie for Halloween two years ago. I loved it. 
<laughs> oh, I know. I know. And you looked really good. Maybe we'll make Olivia post pictures of herself as Bonnie on Instagram. I'm not going to post any pictures of actual Bonnie. It's just going to be Olivia. It's going to be me. No, we aren't going to say anything like circa whatever year Bonnie and Clyde was in. <laughs> make mine black and white. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to um, Photoshop Olivia into historical photos. I'm rewriting history. Olivia was Bonnie. Okay. <laughs> um. But as the FBI puts it, uh, Bonnie and Clyde had participated in uh, one of the most colorful and spectacular manhunts the nation had seen up to that time. So they were really like, uh, they were, they were spectacular. Like they captured everyone's attention. And even like to this day, people are still obsessed with what went down. So I'll get into it. Um, (laughs) Bonnie Parker and Clyde Champion Barrow met in January of 1930 when Bonnie was only 19 and legally married to a different man who was in prison for murder. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Normal 19-year-old things. Oh yeah. Fun fact that I learned um, in case this, I don't know, spoiler alert for the end of the story, but they die. Um, And when they died, Bonnie was actually wearing this other man's wedding ring still. And she had a tattoo on her, like, leg that was, like, two hearts with their names in it. So Bonnie was, like, in it with this other guy, apparently, at least for a little while, until she met Clyde. (laughs) And Clyde was 21 at the time. And I guess they were just, like, instantly smitten with each other. And Bonnie joined Clyde because she had fallen in love with him. But (laughs) Clyde was soon arrested for burglary and sent to jail. But Bonnie was just ride or die from day one and she helped him escape by smuggling him a gun but i mean he was recaptured it's fine though because it didn't set them back too much he was paroled in 1932 and that is when the two of them began their life of crime wait i have a question yes so at this time she has two men at the same time in jail and she chooses (laughs) to release one and not the other do you think the other guy is just like what like you could have done this this whole time (laughs) yeah i bet he's getting like the newspaper clippings like are you kidding me bonnie (laughs) like you left me in here yeah um i don't know something about clyde really got her made her want to break him out of jail the things you do for love i guess (laughs) um and in case anyone doesn't know this is like i mean 1930s kind of like gangster vibes like they were they were cool bonnie wore her dresses and like it was a it was a whole scene i mean you'll see if you haven't seen the photos already you'll see them they were they were kind of glamorous right like yeah i mean who wouldn't want to be them for halloween (laughs) (laughs) anyway late in 1932 bonnie and clyde started traveling with um a crew of people a gang you might say Um, And mostly they just robbed like convenience stores and gas stations. So they were lucky if they made like five or ten dollars. And I'm not sure if that's really like depression era dollars or today dollars. Uh, But still, I mean, you know, it's some. Um, But when they made national news is when they pulled off these really bold bank robberies and escaped being captured by law enforcement. And the gang did not hesitate to shoot anyone. It was a shoot first, ask questions later situation. (laughs) And because of this, obviously, law enforcement wanted them even more. Like, you want what you can't have. They were desperate to get these guys. 
And by the end of 1932, the gang had killed five people. So rightfully so, they were after them. Um, at one point in 1933, the gang was staying in a temporary hideout in Joplin, Missouri, where they played rowdy card games late into the night, bought a case of beer a day, and just generally like disrupted the peace. Um, <laughs> neighbors reported their suspicions to police, who assembled a five-man team to confront who they thought were just like potential bootleggers. Um, and when they arrived on April 13th, the men of the gang opened fire and immediately killed two officers. Um, and Bonnie, being the baddie she is, she shot an automatic rifle at the officers. And she actually ended up hitting a nearby tree, which arguably seems worse to me because it sent wood splinters like right into Ooh. a sergeant's face. Ew. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. It's it's a lot to visualize. I don't love the mental image. <laughs> um, no, it's not my thing. But yeah, I don't love it. Um, they had their getaway car ready. So as Bonnie's like shooting these uh, police officers, they like swept her off the street into the car and away from the conflict. So they got away again. But because they left so quickly, they left most of their belongings behind including some parole papers, an absolute arsenal of weapons, uh, Bonnie's poetry, because she was a poet, um, in case that is something nobody knew, um, and a film camera. And this is where we get those just iconic photos of the pair posing in front of like the car that they've stolen and flaunting their weapons. Um, there's one that's particularly fun of Bonnie holding a cigar in her teeth and a pistol in her hand. Like, she wasn't afraid to get down and dirty, you know? Wait, a quick question. So were these photos, this this stuff was taken, um, like, during their last big chase? So this was in 1933. So no, this wasn't even, like... Oh, okay. The la- the final hurrah. This was, like, kind of the middle, middle of the road for them. Like, okay, no end in sight. I was thinking it would be so crazy if, like, if this was the end and they c- get this film camera and all these film or photos, mm-hmm. then it would be like they would have never seen these photos of themselves. These iconic That's so images. true. Yeah. And they are so iconic. But um, I'm assuming they saw them uh, because uh, the photos became really popular. They just like sold the luster of the gang more than anything. Like they were front page news. So there's no way they didn't see them. Um, So they were known as the Barrow Gang. And there's a quote I found on Wikipedia that's from a book called Go Down Together, the true untold story of Bonnie and Clyde. And it read... The Joplin photos introduced new criminal superstars with the most titillating trademark of all illicit sex. Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker were wild and young and undoubtedly slept together. I mean, true. Like, sex sells. The star-crossed lovers bit sells. So, like, people were infatuated with this. I mean, awful. I'm sure people were scared as well. But, like, it's national news. Like, people make movies out of this kind of thing yeah so ultimately the three other people in their little gang were either killed or captured in 1933 so this is when bonnie and clyde kind of struck out on their own and in november of 1933 police tried to set a trap for the pair in dallas texas but their slippery 
and they escaped and they ultimately carjacked this attorney and like just got the hell out of Texas. <laughs> um, a month later, they held up a citizen in Louisiana. So in their years together, they really moved around. I'm talking like New Mexico, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, like the, the Midwest was just their oyster. Um, <laughs> and the reason for this was to exploit the state line rule, which prevents officers from pursuing a fugitive into another jurisdiction. So they knew how to play the game. They, they were, they were clever. I will certainly give them that. Um, in January of 1934, Bonnie and Clyde broke five prisoners out of prison in Texas. So again, Bonnie's doing this. She's breaking people out of jail, but not her husband. (laughs) Um, But like a cool action movie star, Clyde like covered everyone who like the retreating prisoners with bursts of machine gun fire. So like if you if you visualize it, it's like, you know, you got a rock and roll song playing slow motion machine (laughs) gun. Clyde just like. Yeah, Um, it's made for movies, basically. And it's interesting because. Historians actually think this was his true goal, like revenge on the Texas Department of Corrections, because he'd been in prison. I don't know. He had beef with them, basically, from all his years getting caught and imprisoned and stuff. So that was what they think his motive was all along. Yes, because I guess that's where they're from. So Texas, the Texas Department of Corrections, he had a bone to pick with them. (laughs) So... Um, in April of 1934, so this is a couple months later, Bonnie and Clyde were stopped by two highway patrolmen, um, and naturally, uh, they had to kill them. So five days later, um, after this, they killed another officer and abducted a police chief. So they're kind of bold, um, making a lot of questionable decisions, but you know, got to keep it hot, I guess. Um, So the FBI were obviously on the case, but they only had jurisdiction on the charge of transporting a stolen vehicle because, you know, that was the only thing that would be a federal crime, I guess, because considering like the state line stuff, uh, you know, you know, semantics, whatever. On April 13th, however, FBI agents discovered the whereabouts of some known companions of Bonnie and Clyde. And we're able to kind of like piece together um, the pattern of where the couple was hiding out. So they learned that Bonnie and Clyde were planning a party on um, May 21st in a different area, but were set to return to Ruston, Louisiana two days later. So early in the morning of the 23rd, Texas and Louisiana police officers hid in the bushes along the highway waiting for the pair to drive through. So they've laid this trap. Um, and when Bonnie and Clyde come barreling down the road, the officers opened fire, firing 130 rounds into the car. Clyde was hit first, and the officers reported hearing Bonnie scream. Both were killed instantly, and the coroner's report listed 17 entrance wounds on Clyde's body and 26 on Bonnie's, including several headshots and one that had snapped Clyde's spinal column. Oh, my God. Yeah. So one of the officers later said, I hate to bust the cap on a woman, especially when she was sitting down. However, if it wouldn't have been her, it would have been us. So, I mean, we know Bonnie and Clyde like to shoot their way out of situations. Yeah. But like, He's not man, wrong. that's a lot of gunfire that they just unloaded on this car. Um, 
So their deaths created like an absolute immediate frenzy. Like the police officers went into town to call their bosses and say like, we got them. And then everyone just descended on this car um, because they they wanted to take souvenirs. So someone tried to cut off Clyde's ear. Another Ew. person tried to cut off his trigger finger. Oh, oh yeah. Um, someone actually got away with like locks of Bonnie's hair and pieces of her bloody dress that were later sold as souvenirs. Like people are insane. Like nasty, nasty. Uh, I can't even. Um, ultimately, they ended up towing the car into town with the bodies still inside. And they were taken to a place called Conger Furniture Store and Funeral Parlor in Arcadia, Louisiana, which was apparently a normal thing. Uh, Furniture and funeral just went together well, I guess. Makes sense. (laughs) Um, And two of Bonnie and Clyde's kidnapping victims came to ID the bodies. And one of them was an undertaker who Bonnie had joked with that maybe someday he'd be working on her. And ironically, he did assist with the embalming. So, yeah, irony, I guess. I don't uh, don't know. I mean, it sounds like Bonnie had a good sense of humor, I guess. But She sounds um, like a total catch. She's funny. She's loyal. She's adventurous. Right? Right? Like, we love her. We we stand. Um, (laughs) She's doing everything right, I guess. I say cautiously. (laughs) Um, But Bonnie and Clyde wanted to be buried next to each other. They were in love, obviously. But Bonnie's mom had never approved of Clyde, and she did not grant them this wish. So she took Bonnie back to Dallas and buried her. And her grave is inscribed with, As the flowers are all made sweeter by the sunshine and the dew, so this old world is made brighter by the lives of folks like you. Kind of sweet. Um, More than 20,000 people attended her funeral. What? yeah like people, just the general public yeah i think because i th- i mean i'm sh- you know people put like funeral announcements in the paper sometimes like i'm sure mm-hmm. word got out and i mean they were superstar criminals so everyone wanted to be there like you know how sometimes celebrities will have like open funerals or like that kind of yeah. thing and like everyone goes like there was a I'm trying to think of a good example. I feel like there was a rapper a few years ago who got killed and everyone like swarmed his funeral. Do you remember that? Was it XXXTentacion or whatever? Oh, maybe. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't really keep up with the the rap, but I do remember seeing pictures of that. Um, Clyde, however, had a private funeral and he was buried next to his brother with the epitaph, Gone But Not Forgotten. Sweet and simple. Uh, Clyde got to the point, I guess. Um, But that's kind of all I wrote down about them. They were just scandalous, you know? Like, and there's a lot of details that I left out because it was just like murder, 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 robbery, murder. But But they were like (laughs) icons from the beginning. Because I feel like a lot of times Mm -hmm. when things become like iconic later on, it's like oh well at the time like it was just this thing whatever but no like in their day and time they were the yeah like top news Twenty thousand people at a funeral is insane yeah isn't that crazy i also looked it up it wasn't xxx i don't know who it was but so it wasn't him okay well (laughs) anyway it was someone someone i'm making this up clearly not as iconic as bonnie and clyde (sighs) seriously so i just especially back then like 1930s 20,000 people making that kind of like 
travel i mean i don't know how far they traveled texas is big but like that's that's a lot of people for us for dallas texas you know my favorite part of the story is um when they're like in the midst of it all in the midst of their like crime spree Mm -hmm. and they're just like chilling outside drinking beer being super loud like yeah we're like these criminals (gasps) and obviously people are gonna call the police on you like aren't you supposed to be on the run (laughs) they were like brazen they didn't care they because they that's the thing i think they got cocky like they knew that they could get away they didn't really seem to care um about killing people they were just living life on the run you know yeah. and they probably, kidnapped a lot of people too that's the surprising like, part too like why why I would they get kidnap what the purpose was an undertaker like why was he i don't think involved? they knew oh i think it was just like they kidnapped a guy he turned out to be an undertaker yeah they're like oh by the way what do you do <laughs> yeah they that's the weird like why were they making like small talk with their were they lonely like what were they doing i don't know I don't but know. It's, i was it's just interesting i was looking at their pictures once you mentioned that whole camera thing and i mean bonnie is like super cute she's adorbs i know i know I watched a, uh, like, freshman year of college. I don't know what it's called, but there was something on Netflix that was, like, this little, like, uh, it was, like, a documentary, sort of, but it was, like, a movie. So it wasn't, like, people, like, historians talking about it. It was, like, someone had created a questionably historically accurate movie remake sort of situation. Mm -hmm. I, I have no idea. I tried to look for it. I don't know where it went or what happened to it. I think it was on Netflix, but that's kind of what got me hooked. And now, here we are, f- five years later. <laughs> I'm and... trying. I'm trying to find their original wanted poster, because mm. it looks like they're all. Remakes. I have a couple saved, okay. but I don't know if they're actually the the ones. I have ones that have like, oh, uh, their fingerprints and stuff on it. Oh, that's cool. And pictures oh, of them. I found one. But there's no way to know. Like, how do you really know? I know. Like, it could be. I want. I want like a wanted picture of their face, and then like a reward underneath yeah. it or something. Dead yeah. or alive. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> though. Man, oh, my gosh. oh man. Do you know but this yeah, song? Yeah, they. Uh, there's a song called Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, Bonnie and Clyde. I love that song. That's like I know Olivia because I lived with you when you loved that song. Oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes um i was listening to it the entire day today oh my goodness uh, and yesterday and the day before because <laughs> the funny thing is i had i'd heard it before but the way i remember it in my head is just you sitting in your bunk bed <laughs> going bonnie cut like that's all i remember that's, that's all it's, i care about it's all in french so those are the only words mm-hmm. that i know bonnie and uh-huh. <laughs> it's so like should we make a music video oh we should it's so like um sultry kind of like it's just it is it really is like you know sultry is a good word like i would it's like yeah cowboy but also like you know french yeah they have like there's a music video for it they have like Uh, their little guns and they that's uh, so cute it's kind of cute so bonnie and clyde yeah i, I want to be could, them i want to be singing about them i do too i wish we could um use that as our our outro music i know <laughs> i wonder if when it was created because there are certain rules about 
no, copyright. That's true. I'll have to look into it. I'll look into it. I'll see if yeah. what I can swing for this. Mad. Maybe like change the pitch a little bit. Like Alpha and the Chipmunks yeah. is gonna be really exactly like, speed it up a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. I think well, that makes it legal. I think so. No. Anyways, that was not <laughs> lazy. That was such a good story. Um, I really Thank didn't you. know about their whole like crime spree up until there. I thought it was just. Oh, I mean, yes. I knew there was there, but I just was like, oh yeah, they're big robbery and then they got killed whatever oh yeah so they were was, wild yeah i loved hearing about all of that and now i want to dress up with like her again maybe every day do too. she is like the cute little <laughs> chevron sweater i mean it was cute okay olivia looked really cute she had her little money bag <laughs> that she like carried around as a prop it was like it was really cute so. it was super fun i, I want to be you <laughs> oh well actually my inspo was um Courtney Kardashian and the Jonas or whatever his name was did it for oh Halloween. yeah they looked good they looked so they cute. looked good yeah they looked really good <laughs> well yeah well I, I like this, no one can do it better I like this little now that I'm on you know Google looking at Bonnie and Clyde now it's coming up with like <laughs> Al Capone and J Edgar Hoover and I'm like we need to get more into this side of things oh my gosh I want to talk about some something that involves Alcatraz because I love oh, that place. that would be cool yeah dibs <laughs> you got that one i got it maybe some ghosts i know there are ghosts there yes i've heard of um i think i've heard more ghost things about there than than people yeah. it's a spooky place so Ooh. okay anyway well, thanks everyone for listening to episode whatever 39 i think i think it was yeah 39 yeah it's 39 if it was 40 we'd we'd know i think we'd be having we'd a now we'd be having a midlife crisis <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. next time next time oh gosh one year left or a day week oh my god i can't time two <laughs> time is a concept that doesn't exist anymore simply true anyways um thanks for listening if you want to see the pictures of um probably lady gaga dressed up in gucci and yeah. also um uh, bonnie's immaculate fashion in the 30s go to our instagram page mm-hmm. at deviant little darlings um and you can give us a like give us a follow give us a comment um if Please. yes if you have any suggestions for stories or um topics or anything you want to hear us talk about you can always dm us or give us a comment on instagram or you can email us at deviant at gmail.com um and yeah we're always open to those suggestions usually it's just mine and katie's dad oh my gosh actually my dad sent me an email a couple weeks ago for something to do i told him i would do it but i can't remember what it was anyways might have another dave special (laughs) (laughs) but yes oh dads (laughs) but yeah um if you are looking to listen to us anywhere else we're on apple podcasts breaker google podcasts overcasts Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Anchor.fm slash DeviantLittleDarlings. Remember, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and maybe other platforms that I just don't know about. So it would be great if you did, if you feel so inclined. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, for hanging with us today. And we will catch Uh, you in two weeks from now. Yeah. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Bonnie and Clyde. Bye.